Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Howdy, WCC. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, first of all, I want to wish Libby a happy birthday. She's 15 today, big day. Um, also, last week was Father's Day, and I didn't get to say anything, but just you dad, fathers, men, just all of you, I'm so thankful for you. Uh, I'm blessed to have my dad here today. My dad loves me and encourages me. I told you this last night. Just been, you've been just a huge influence on my life, and in many ways, the man I am is because of you, so I'm very, very grateful for you, Pops. All right, turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I have been preaching through the book of Hebrews, but as you probably know, on Friday, uh, there was this huge Supreme Court decision that was issued, and I want to take a detour from Hebrews and, and talk about the Supreme Court decision which overturned Roe versus Wade. Um, before we even get into that, and, and uh, Greg mentioned it, we had VBS this last week. It was absolutely amazing. I want to thank our VBS workers uh, especially Heather and Morgan, anyone who's, and anyone who served in any way, helped out. Thank you, guys. I am so grateful for our church and what you care about our kids. It's just, it's just a huge blessing to me. And for our kids, our young people, our youth who helped out, y'all are awesome. Our, our kids, uh, we just love you guys. Your church loves our young people. And so, in fact, at the end of my sermon, I'm actually going to have the kids here. are going to come up. Miss Heather's going to lead y'all. Y'all are going to sing the song, uh, I am his masterpiece, is that right? Yeah, beautiful song, great song. All right, so uh, also, and I just thought about this yesterday, and I want to toss this out, all right? I'm going to toss this out as an idea. About a year and a half ago, I preached a sermon series on Christianity and culture, and we did not record those sermons. If you want to know why, you can come and talk to me. But I want to toss this out there. I'm very tempted to preach, in light of the Supreme Court decision, I'm very tempted to take a break from Hebrews and preach a little three- or four-week sermon on that series again. So, I'm going to make a deal with you, all right? If you're interested, come let me know. And if I get some interest, then we'll, I'll do it. If not, if nobody wants it, I'll just continue. We'll talk about Melchizedek next time, okay? But uh, in Hebrews. But if you're interested, let me know, okay? Uh, because, because uh, and, and also, I want to encourage you, too. I mentioned this in an email, and I'll mention it again this coming week. There's a book by Carl Truman that I would highly recommend you read. I'll put it in the email. Uh, Providence Christian School is recommending that their folks read it. So anyway, I'm gonna, I'll put that out there, all right? All right, as I said, I want to talk about the Supreme Court's decision this week. But before we do that, I want us to be reminded of some basic truths, okay? And one is this, that God is the one who makes human beings, Genesis 127 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God is the creator. God created you. God is the one that made you. All right, even when you were in your mother's womb. Now let's look at, let's look at Psalm 139, and we're going to just look at verses 13 to 16. We even have it on the slide. But Psalm 139, 13 to 16. Just, I'm not going to do a huge in-depth thing, but I just want you to hear it again. We've already heard it. I'm glad George read it for us. But this is the word of God, speaking through David, and he says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. He's talking to God. My frame was not hidden from you, God, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your, think about the sovereignty of God here and him knowing all things, and he's beyond time. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. All right, look, look back at verses 13 and 14. Think about this. It's saying that like a master weaver, God knitted you, every one of you, every one of us in here, God knitted you together in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. That's what we learned in VBS this week. And it says, wonderful are God's works, and you're one of God's works. And it says, your soul should know it well. That's what it says in verse 14. And as a result, and we see this at the beginning of verse 14, you were made to praise God. You were made to praise your creator. You were made to live for him. So he made, he made you, think about this, he made you, which means he owns you. He has a right over your life. You don't belong to yourself. God made you and you're under his authority. So with that in mind, I want you to keep that at the back of your mind as we go through all that, all, all what I'm going to talk about the Supreme Court decision. Just keep that in your mind, okay? So as I said, I want to address the Supreme Court's decision issued on Friday and the, the the name of the case is Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. I'll probably just say Dobbs. So in Dobbs, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade and a lesser-known decision but a huge decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And as a result of the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that abortions in America are now illegal. Sadly, many states will continue to allow unborn babies to be killed. But the Dobbs decision does mean that states are now permitted to ban abortions. And it's my understanding that already about half the states have laws in place banning abortion. And we praise God for that, right? We praise God for that. Because, thank you, Lord, for this, because that means more babies will survive the womb. And as a church, I want us to celebrate that and praise our Lord for that. Because this is good news. It's really good news. But this morning, also, I want to, to challenge you because what I want to do, this is really, this is my burden in many ways as a pastor. I want us to think deeply about the issues surrounding Dobbs and Roe and all that because they're in the culture and they, they impact us in a huge way. So today, I'm going to talk briefly about some practical stuff and then I'm going to get into some pretty deep theological and philosophical issues so what I'm going to ask you is really try to pay attention. I'm, going to try to, I'm trying to repeat stuff, but I really want you to try to struggle with some of the things because it impacts us. It impacts the way that we think, even as Christians. It's not like it's all out there. It's in us as well, okay? Let me start with some practical things. First of all, just practical things about Dobbs. Dobbs will put the issue of abortion and the, the laws surrounding that in the, in the hands of the state legislatures. And that means that politicians who claim to be pro-life will have to now either put up or shut up, right? They'll have to, if they've been claiming to be pro-life, they will now have to show if they're genuine in this. And, and for us as Christians, we now have an opportunity to influence lawmakers. We're a democracy, we get free speech, we get a right to do that. So I'm saying your voice matters. I'll just, I'll just leave that out there. Uh, also, I haven't heard anybody talk about this, but, but it's really great, um, I, I, just as a lawyer, I've thought a lot about this. Laws influence the way people think. 
Laws influence what people view as good and bad, as right and wrong. And many people get their view of morality from laws. Well, now, because many states have laws that make abortion illegal, what, that, what I hope will happen is I think that will influence how people view abortion. And my prayer is that the result will be that now many more people will view abortion as wrong. My understanding is that young people are actually more pro-life than older people, which is awesome. And I think a lot of that has to do with ultrasounds uh, and seeing when you look at a baby in the womb, it's hard to deny that's a baby. So there's a lot of things going on with that. But my hope is that laws will end up influencing people so that that, uh, the country becomes more pro-life. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be just fantastic. All right, now for, for practical stuff, on, as a church, we get this challenge. So I, I've been thinking about this. How should we respond to all this? I'm going to read a little paragraph that was sent out by Ligonier Ministries. And so it's saying just as the church, as Christians, after Dobbs, what, what's our job? And they say this. They say it's the same as always. We must be gospel advocates of all that is right and good and true. We must care for the poor, the hurting, and the marginalized. We must speak the truth in love. We've talked about that a lot. We must remind our government leaders of their responsibilities. We must disciple. We must be unflinching in the proclamation of the good news, which changes everything. Our local, this is key, I'm going to talk about it. Our local crisis pregnancy centers need our support like never before. Our pulpits need to ring out with practical pastoral and prophetic urgency like never before. And we need to remember God's glorious promises like never before before. And I say amen to that. I agree. That's our job. I, I would especially, as I said, I would especially emphasize helping our, our local pregnancy center. As a church, we support Pregnancy Resource Center of Walton, and many of you guys volunteer there. Our family gives to them. I would encourage you to think about how you could assist them even more. Uh, pregnancy Resource Center of Walton, they're really a great organization. They're going to need our help more now than ever. So I would say let's step up. Let's ask what we can do. If there are people in here that you can talk to who volunteer, who know a lot about it, let's, let's be people who really support this wonderful resource. Also, I would say this. Pregnancy Resource Center Walton does a great job with this. But let's remember also that there are a lot of women who have had abortions and they're hurting. They're hurting. Many of them, many of them, didn't know what they were getting into, and they did it. Many of them are girls, and they didn't know what they were doing. And the guilt and the shame they feel is oftentimes overwhelming. And so for us as a church, I want us to be people who care, obviously about babies, but who care also about hurting and broken women, all right? And hey, all of us, to some extent, are hurting and broken, right? So, and I want to stress this, and we try to talk about this a lot. Let's be a church that is always loving and welcoming and caring and tenderhearted. That's my goal for, for WCC. Always, no exceptions. And I realize this, and I, wanna, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I realize that we can be perceived as a masculine church, right, with a lot of strong male leadership. And I don't apologize for that at all. But, but there's an opportunity with this because when you combine strong male leadership with a church that is over-the-top, loving and caring and tender-hearted, especially for the broken and vulnerable, when you do that, it's an amazing combination. And God blesses that. The Lord blesses that. So again, WCC, let's be a church that genuinely cares about broken people 
and hurting people, including vulnerable and hurting women, okay? I would also add this, and I'm praying that some of you will hear this from the Lord, not from me, but in many places in the Bible, God commands his people to care for widows and orphans, to care for orphans in their distress. James 1.27 says that. So I would ask you, just talk to the Lord about this. Let's take an honest assessment of ourselves and ask uh, ourselves, could I look after orphans in their distress? Could I do that? What could I do? Just, just go to the Lord and speak to him about that, all right? I'm, I'll leave it at that. All right, in God's providence for the last two weeks, George and Topher have been looking at Ephesians 4, so I'm just going to follow their lead and continue looking at Ephesians 4. So I want us to look at Ephesians. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Ephesians 4. We're going to look at just a a few verses here. We're going to start in verse 11. Yeah, we got it on the slide. I'll just read it again. I'm not going to do a huge thing on it, but it's kind of a jumping off point for us to get to thinking about this. This is Ephesians 4, 11 to 14. And I'll read it. You remember Topher talked about this last week. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then verse 14, this is what I want us to focus on. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So, we need to grow up. We need to grow up in the faith, in Christ. That's what Topher talked about last week. We need to grow in Christ. We need to mature and become strong. Why? What's the goal? Well, you look at verse 14. There it is. It says, so that we're not tossed to and fro, basically by cunning and deceitful schemes. And believe me, the culture that we live in is filled with cunning. The culture we live in is filled with deceitful schemes. And false ideologies will toss us around if we're not prepared. So we don't want to be tossed to and fro by the culture. And I already alluded to this, but the reality of it is all of us, all of us, are influenced in a huge way by the cunning of our culture. None of us are immune to the deceitful schemes of the culture. We're all impacted. But we need to grow. As Romans 12 said, we need to be people who are constantly being transformed by God. We need to be people who are having our minds renewed by God, by his word, by the Holy Spirit. So we need to be renewed, have our minds renewed. We need to be transformed. So again, we're not tossed to and fro by the cunning and deceitful schemes of the culture. All right. And I promise this relates to the Supreme Court and the Dobbs decision. Okay. I'm not getting away from that. But, but I would ask you to think about what are some of the deceitful schemes, the cunning schemes of our culture? What are some false ways of thinking, in other words, which influence even us as believers? All right, I want to look at one massively important deceitful and cunning way of thinking that the world promotes, and we're very vulnerable to it. And I'm going to present it this way. This is a quote from the Supreme Court. Okay, what I'm going to display to you is not what I believe. This is the deceitful schemes of the world, okay? So don't think I'm putting this up there for you to believe it. But this is from a court's decision in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So we've got the slide up there. This is a 1992 decision that was written by Justice Anthony Kennedy, and I'm such a nerd, I've even given you a legal citation there. 505 U.S. 833. 
all right? And here's the quote. You can see it on the slide, and I, and I want to ask the guys to leave the slide up for a long time because it, really this is, this is a perfect example of deceitful thinking in our culture. And my goal is to expose how it's false, okay? So here's the quote. I'm going to read it. It says, at the, this is what Kennedy says in, in uh, Casey. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Beliefs about these matters could not define the attributes of personhood were they formed under compulsion of the state. Here's what Kennedy is saying. He's saying he's talking about really what it means to be human. See that, that phrase, attributes of personhood. He's saying this is what it means to be human. This is personhood. And notice the emphasis, first of all, on freedom. See that word liberty? And what he is saying is this. He's saying fundamentally what it means to be human is to have freedom, and we'll talk a lot about choice and stuff, but to have freedom to, to believe whatever you want to believe and to define your own concept of everything, including existence, including the, the meaning, including the universe. Okay? And we're going to develop this. But so, but so according to this Supreme Court quote, being human, fundamentally what that means is being free to do what you want to do. Free to believe what you want to believe. Free to make decisions. Free even to define your own concept of existence. And I'm going to keep stressing this because... What it's saying is, in other words, who you are as a person, your fundamental identity is what goes on in your mind, your beliefs, your thoughts, your own concept of existence, your concept of meaning, your desires, all this, okay? So from this, do you see how this view of humanity, everything is psychological, especially when it comes to the freedom to make choices, And here's how this plays out. What it's saying is who you are fundamentally, as a human, who you are fundamentally, your true self is the psychological self. It's what goes on in your mind. That's who you are as a person. And this is huge too. Being human means being completely free in all this. You have no limits. You can be whatever you want to be. You can define who you are. You can define your own meaning, your freedom to make choices, all right, that's who you are as a human. And I'm, I won't get into it too much, but really what you'll hear in our culture is this important. You shouldn't suppress the real you. The real you is your mind, your desires, all this, and you shouldn't suppress those desires because that's, that's you, okay? Because the desires, as I said, are real you. So, so what it's saying is fundamentally being human means being free to make choices, That's fundamentally, being free to express the real you deep inside your mind, right? The psychological self. Now, I'm not going to get into a huge history of all this. The Truman book uh, talks about this, but I'll say this. A lot of this started with Jean-Jacques Rousseau in the 1700s. But the bottom line is this, as you can see from this quote in Casey, is that, again, your mind, your desires, and your freedom to do what you want to do, your freedom to make choices and the freedom to believe anything, to find your own existence, all this is the essence of personhood. This is, in this idea, this is what it means to be human, okay? Again, your mind is the true you, psychological self, freedom, all this. Now, here's what I want you to do, okay? Whenever you're listening to someone like this, listen for these key words like decision, 
choice, things like right to decide for yourself, liberty, freedom, autonomous, autonomy, all these, all these sorts of things. If those are the key terms used to define what it means to be human, then you know that this person has adopted this view of the psychological self, okay? So think again, choice, freedom, decisions, all this stuff. In fact, in the dissent in Dobbs, so in, when a Supreme Court issues a decision, there's a majority opinion, and then usually the, guy, the people who lost, they write a dissenting opinion. Now listen to this. This is in the dissent in Dobbs, first, first page. It says this. Remember what we're listening for. Choice, right to decide, liberty, freedom, autonomy. Listen to what the dissent in Dobbs says. They, says the, they say the Constitution safeguards a woman's right to decide for herself whether to bear a child. Here's another quote just down the line from the dissent. It said, Roe versus Wade held that the government could not make that choice for women. The government could not control a woman's body or the course of a woman's life. You see, the course of life, the human, who you are as a, as a person is your decision, and you should have complete freedom with this. Listen, to the, they go on. This is the dissent. Respecting a woman as an autonomous being and granting her full equality meant giving her substantial choice over this most personal and most consequential of all life's decisions. You hear it? It's, it's choice, control over a woman's life, autonomy, uh, giving her substantial choice. All this is the psychological self, this view of humanity. But here's, here's another. This is a quote from, from Ruth Ginsburg. Listen again for the key words. Listen to what she says. The decision whether or not to bear a child is central to a woman's life. That decision, freedom, to her well-being and dignity. She said it is a decision she must make for herself. When the government controls that decision for her, she is being treated as less than a full adult human responsibility for her own choices. Again, who she, are, who she is as a person is her decision. That's what it means in this view to be a human being, okay? Again, decision, choice, freedom, autonomy, all that. So in fulfilling all your desires and not suppressing them, and if we do the, the Christianity and culture thing, you'll see this too, and you'll, you'll start to figure out what it is. Not only are you free to make these decisions and define who you are, everybody around you must affirm those as well to give you that psychological affirmation. You see where that's going? All right. But the thing is, this, is not, this does not just affect Supreme Court decisions, this view. You see this playing out everywhere from Instagram, TikTok, not only from talk shows, you know, to high school graduation speeches. So you hear things like this. You get to decide who you are. Follow your dreams. You have the right to make decisions. And again, this is central to your life and dignity. Don't let anyone take away your freedom. Don't let anyone put limits on you. Believe in yourself. How about this one? You be you. You be you. What does that mean? Well, that means listening to your inner voice. You be true to yourself, right? The real you is inside you, waiting to be released. You get to define it. That inner voice inside, your desires, that's the real you. Don't suppress the real you. Don't let anyone put you in a box. These type of phrases are all this view of humanity. Saying again, that fundamentally, who you are as a person is, are your choices, right? It's the psychological view. You get to define your own existence. Now, 
so it's saying, what I'm going to say, this, this is all the psychological, but I'm saying that all this is cunning and deceitful. It's all cunning and deceitful. We, we adopt some of it, and I hope you feel how we, we kind of we resonate with a lot of this, don't we? We feel it. I, yeah, I like a lot of that because we've adopted it. But what I'm saying is this is fundamentally not what it means to be human. And we'll talk about this at the end. But fundamentally what it means to be human is, one, to recognize that we are made by God and to know that we were made to know and love God. We were made to know and love Jesus Christ. That's what it means to truly be human, and that's what we're made for. All right? If I re-preach the Christianity Culture series, I'm going, to get, uh, I'm going to use this example again, but I'm going to ask you to think about almost every Disney movie made in the past 30 years is this. This is, this is a, t- think about, if you think about Disney princess movies, think about the storyline. It says this, it says, my family or my village or my community or my tribe, whatever, they all place expectations on me, but I need to be free. I need to be free to be my true self. I need freedom to make choices. I need to break free from all these oppressive institutions that are hindering me. This is the Casey quote. This is the Supreme Court thing. Disney plays this out. So here's one example. I'm going I'm to ask the guys to put up this example from the movie Moana. All right? This is what I think the grandmother is saying. Is Moana the girl character? Is she the... She, okay, I don't even can't remember. So Moana is the Disney princess, right? Is that right? She's the Disney princess. Okay. So the grandmother says this to Moana. Now think about what she says. She says, you're your father's daughter. Stubbornness and pride, mind what she said. And by the way, I don't hate Disney movies. I watch Disney movies, okay? I'm not saying you have to avoid Disney movies. I'm not, I'm not saying that. She says, you're your father's daughter, stubbornness and pride, mind what she says. But remember, remember, you may hear a voice inside. And I put in there, that's your true self, okay? You may hear a voice inside. And if the voice starts to whisper to follow the farthest star, if the voice tells you to follow the farthest star, Moana that voice inside is who you are. That's the real you. See, the voice inside, your desires, your thoughts, your exercise choice, that voice is the true you. And if that voice starts to whisper to you to, to follow the far of the star, that voice tells you to break free from your family or from tradition or whatever, then you've got to listen to that inner voice because the psychological self, your desires, your ability to choose, all that, that's the real you, and you must follow those desires to be true to yourself. Now, notice in this definition of what it means to be human, freedom, ability to choose, to find your own existence, the Casey quote, all that, there's no God. Being human has nothing to do with God at all in this view. God is removed. There is no creator who made you. There's nothing about loving God and loving other people. There's nothing about eternity. There's nothing about heaven. There's nothing. It's all what goes on inside my mind. It's all about self. It's all about me and my desire and my ability to make choices. And there should be no limits placed on these choices or the desires. So the freedom of your mind, the freedom to do what you want to do and believe what you want to believe, that trumps everything. 
Who you are fundamentally, again, I keep saying, is your desires, your ability to choose. And as I said, this is a deceitful and cunning way of thinking because fundamentally that's not what it means to be human. Fundamentally, being human, as I said, is recognizing, as the VBS kids learn, we're made by God. We're made to know and love God and live for him and to love others. But here's the problem, as I keep talking about As Christians, a lot of this resonates with us. Do we like our freedom limited? Do we like people telling us what to do? What if I said, you know what, you know, you got married, you made a commitment to your spouse, you're not free to leave, even if you're unhappy. When you hear that, do you think, man, that just makes me feel good inside. Whew. I just love hearing that. I love people telling, people telling me that I can't do something, you know. What about this? Until fairly recently, with very few exceptions, it was expected that you would live in the same area you were born in. You would live in that area. Your, your community and your family put pressure on you to stay there. And you, there was an expectation that you would stay there until you die. And most people had no problem with that. You know that? That was the way it was throughout most of history. But today, if that was the expectation, if everyone around you expects you to live in the Walton County area for the rest of your life and you can't leave, do you love that? Do you think, oh, man, that just makes me feel all good inside, that I can never leave, you know? We don't rejoice in that. So we, we love the freedom to do what we want to do. Now, am I saying freedom is bad? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it's not fundamental to who we are as a person, right? The culture of the psychological self says that you are your desires and this freedom to choose is who you are, and that influences us in a big way. And this is how we get to abortion, okay? I finally got to it. Because in our culture, really, the fight over abortion has nothing to do with babies in their mind. It has nothing to do with that. Abortion has nothing to do, and if you talk with a person who is pro-abortion, you'll learn this. They don't care about philosophically whether it's a baby's part of a woman's body or when life begins. It has nothing to do in their mind with, with viability when the baby actually can live outside the womb or adoption or anything else. The issue of abortion in their mind is one thing. Freedom to do what I want to do. That's it. Freedom to make choices. Will you let me do what I want to do or will you restrain my freedom? Because again, see, the real you is what's inside your mind. The psychological self. You get to define yourself. You get to make choices and no one has the right to restrain you. And if you're trying to restrain my freedom... And this is where it gets hard. Not only are you suppressing my desires and my desires are the real me, but you're dehumanizing me. You're attacking me because my freedom to make these choices is who I am. You're, you're attacking me personally. That's why they get so angry about this. Th th because their view of humanity is no one can place any limits on my freedom. So you'll find, that's why people get so furious. You'll, you'll talk to people you know, an old person who can't even have babies. Why do you get so uptight about this? It has nothing to do with it. You're not going to have a baby. What, what difference does it make? But they get so uptight because it's attacking them personally. In their mind, God has nothing to do with this. It's all about freedom to do what I want to do, okay? And especially any limits, and if we do the Christianity culture thing, you'll see this, especially when it has to do with sexuality. Desires and freedom and sexuality, that is where really the fight is over, okay? If any limits are placed on this, then it, it, it feels like to them like you're attacking them 
personally, all right? Because, again, they are their desires and psychological stuff. It's their identity. If you, if you I hesitate to even say this because it's almost impossible to have a discussion with people about this kind of stuff if you disagree. But if you do get into disagreement or a discussion with somebody, listen for the words and listen for words like, choice and right to decide and right to make my own decisions and freedom to choose and follow my dreams and right to determine my life. You hear those kind of voices, those words, then you know what they're believing. And I would encourage you to do this, just to say, ask a simple question. Why do you believe that the freedom to make choices is fundamental to your humanity? Like, why do you believe that? Or why do you think that the freedom to make choices is so important? And usually folks have not thought through this. And they will just repeat what they've said. They'll say, because I have the right to determine my own life. And you can say, yeah, you've said that. But why do you believe that? Like, why do you believe that determining your own life is fundamental to, to your humanity? And usually they'll repeat it. Because I should have the right to make my own choices. It's my life. And you can respond, yeah, you keep saying that. But why do you believe that? Like, why do you believe that making choices is so fundamental to humanity? Why do you believe that? And eventually, I hope you'll have the opportunity to tell them the truth, what, to explain what the truth is. And the truth, and, and so I'm going to finish out the sermon with this. It's going to be very brief. Uh, I've already touched on it. But for young people especially, I want you to hear this. Because I don't want you to fall for cunning and deceitful schemes of our culture. And here's the truth. Your identity is not found in your freedom to choose. That's not who you are, young people. Your identity is not found in your desires, Right? Or you be you. That's not where your identity is found. Your identity is found in the fact, as VBS keeps saying, you you are made by God. You were made by God in his image. You were made by God to know and love God. Knowing and loving God. And being known and loved by God. That's your identity. That's who you are. That's fundamental to your humanity. Look again at Psalm 139. We'll just put it up on the screen. Look at verses 1 to 6. Yeah, look at this. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. All this is about God knowing us. You search out my path and my lying down and, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God knows you. He knows you and loves you. That's who you are. And all of us need to preach this to ourselves all the time, right? We need to preach this to ourselves that God knows me and loves me and I'm made for him. Look at, look at Psalm 139, 13 to 16. Yeah. For you, again, for you formed my inward parts, God. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Even before you were born, God knew the days of your life. So listen, you're fearfully and wonderfully made by God, a God who knows you intimately. And I touched on this earlier, but we see at the beginning of verse 14 that you were made to praise God, your creator. You're made to live for him. He made you, which means he owns you, right? You don't belong to yourself. God made you, and you're under his authority. And that's beautiful. That's where human thriving comes from, being under his authority. That's where where being true human comes from. 
Not from being free from God, but from being in relationship with him. You were made to know God. You were made to love God. So, so knowing God, loving God, and being known by God, and being loved by God, that's your identity. In John 17, 3, Jesus prayed to the Father, and he prayed for us. And he said this, this is eternal life. This is the meaning of life, right? And an eternal life. God, Father, he says that they, he said, my people, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life. The meaning of life is knowing God and knowing his son, Jesus Christ. That's your identity. All right, I'm going to ask the VBS kids and the youth to come up. I'm going to ask Miss Heather to lead them. I think you're all going to gather down here. Come on up, guys. This is going to be amazing. Shelby, youth, let's go, the youth, perfect. So God created man in his own image, the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Genesis one twenty seven. As you wish that others would do to you, do so then Luke six thirty one. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me through he die yet shall he live. John eleven twenty five. Thanks. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians two ten. Love me. Yes, this beautiful world can be. We are the mind. 
awesome man just beautiful brings joy to my heart and I would just say this guys just uh, as as you just saying remember that this truth that you are God's masterpiece you do matter to him and my prayer is that my hope that he he matters to you right you're fearfully and wonderfully made God knows you intimately and I'm so thankful for his grace I'm so thankful for you guys and, and Jesus loves you. In fact, Jesus loves humanity. This is the gospel, right? Jesus loves humanity so much that he himself became a man. He entered into our humanity with all the limitations, right? With all the limitations, with all the pain, with all the garbage of this world, Jesus, the one who made you kids, is the one who became human to identify with us and to save us. And he was knit together in the womb of Mary, right? He was knit together. And he lived a life of perfect love and obedience. He lived a life that we couldn't live. And then he went to the cross. He died the death that we should have died. And, and he suffered in our place. And he conquered death and hell and judgment. And that's the gospel. So now, if you're in Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, you can never die. Kids, that's the truth. You can never die if you put your faith in him. You're forever going to be embraced by the love of your God. All right? Amen. Thank you guys again for that. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. I do, especially now, pray for the little ones, the youth in our church. Thank you for them. They're precious. Thank you that you have made them. Uh, thank you for your grace in our lives. I thank you for my church family. I thank you, everybody here. Just what a blessing and encouragement they are to me. Um, just thank you for your grace, Lord. We love you. Jesus, thank you for being our God and King and for entering into humanity and caring about us. So we love you. We pray that our lives would be devoted to you, that, that we would think rightly and we would not be deceived by the cunning and deceitful things of this world, but we would think rightly and understand that our identity is not our desires or, or anything like that, but it's about being known by you, being loved by you, and loving and living for 